0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll begin at verse 16 when we get there. Father, we thank you for your holy written word. Knowing that it's been tried, tested, and found to be good and faithful and trustworthy. And we can trust our lives to its provisions. As an act of our will, we choose to be attentive. Our hearts to be... Receptive in minds to be opened. Holy Spirit of our God, guide us into all the truth. Reveal to us that which we need to know. Instruct us in the way we should go. Make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to boldly proclaim the truth of the word and demonstration of the spirit of power. That our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Our purpose in our Wednesday night evening services is to promote the manifest presence of God and the operations of the Holy Ghost in our midst. I want us all to at least make a mental note of that if we haven't written it down. And put it within the hidden chambers of our hearts our purpose is to come together in our Wednesday evening services and to promote the manifest presence of God or the glory of God and the operations of the Holy Ghost that's why we're here to do what the father would have done and not what we would desire to have done and so let me remind all of us that there is a twofold presence of God the Omnipresence of God, meaning He is everywhere at the same time. And there is also the manifest presence of God, meaning His presence in experience, seen, felt. Could be in healing, delivering. Sometimes you can see the glory of the Lord with your natural eye as He allows us to see in the realm of the Spirit. But the Father so desires that we promote His glory and manifest presence within our midst, that we be elevated to a higher plane of spiritual awareness. We serve a living God. And it is His desire to manifest Himself and His loving kindness and tender mercies and demonstrate Himself within our midst. So to promote these things, I believe we must answer the question, why should we do this? Why? Sometimes I think that we just do things just to do things, and many don't recognize or realize, why do we do certain things? You can either hear some talk going on, you know, why do we always have to go around the altar and stand around the altar and worship and praise God? Well, let's answer that question. Why? Why? Why do we have to come together and lift up holy hands and bless and praise Him and just voice our praise unto Him all the time? Why? Well, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And make a mental note of it at least, because it's the Father's desire to dwell in the midst of His people, of His children, and to assume the responsibilities of being our God and our Father. It's his desire to do this. And you see, he can't do it unless we allow him to do it. And to create an atmosphere for him to do it in. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He wants us to come together to promote His manifest presence and the operations of His Spirit. So that in that place of habitation, of course, as we are the temple of the living God, He can assume the responsibilities of being our God and our Father. As you look throughout all the Old Testament, you find out He always desired to dwell among His people. I mean, why couldn't He just be the God of the heavens? His omnipresence is everywhere He wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted to come down here upon this earth and manifest His presence there in the Ark of the Covenant in the holiest of all so that He can dwell among His people. He wanted to be that close to to them. He wanted to love them, to care for them, to provide for them. In Canaan's land, He was to provide for them a place where He can be their God, assume the responsibilities of a true and loving and living and caring God removing sickness and disease away from their midst fulfilling the number of their days etc etc all the things that he said but notice those things are benefits of his manifested presence when god is so manifested among his people that manifest presence provides everything that his people need to be successful and to overcome It provides protection also, not only from sickness and disease, but all the forces of opposition that are arrayed against us. The secret place of the Most High is dwelling in His loving presence, where He then becomes a refuge. Beneath His wings, we trust. He becomes a hiding place. But you see, we have not done our homework to understand that there are degrees by which His presence is manifested. We can have more or less of the the presence of God manifested within our midst. And that is based on the attitudes and the desires of the people, of the living God. In other words, we can have as much... Of the manifest presence and the glory of our God in this place as we so desire. If our hearts truly so desire. And if we put forth all the effort and energy that we need to put forth to obtain this goal. Exercising ourselves in spiritual things so that we can reap spiritual things. For what we sow is what we reap. And that's why the Father once again has spoken to my heart and says, I want you again to promote my glory. I want to assume the responsibilities of a God and of a loving Father. I want my presence to be so manifested that all the needs of my children are met. How? According to His riches in what? See, that's what glory is. That's His manifest presence. Think about this. Moses was so in the presence of the living God when he came down from that mountain that the people couldn't behold his face. He was so saturated with the glory of God that the people could not look upon his face. That reveals to you and to me that there are degrees by which we can have the glory of God manifested within our lives as individuals and also as a collective body. And unless we do something about promoting this or to promote this, see, it will not happen. And so I say to all of us here this evening, it is His longing desire to manifest Himself in His glorious power and might. And in His presence is the fullness of our joy. And by His right hand are pleasures forevermore. In that place of refuge, there is all that is necessary for our success. I'm telling you, there is deliverance from cancer. There's deliverance from tuberculosis. There's deliverance from disease. There's deliverance from heart trouble in His presence. And as we dwell in that presence, these outside forces, these things of darkness cannot live or remain. The secret to it all is entering into that realm of His presence and abiding there. Abiding there. And so you see, that's why we need to promote it. Secondly, another reason. I need you to turn with me, if you would please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, something that is very important. Something that we all need to understand. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3. And let's just put it this way. Another reason is that it is wrong to discredit the working of the Spirit of God within our midst. And anyone who directly or indirectly ignores or discredits or opposes the working of the Spirit of God places himself in a dangerous position or condition. Anyone who willfully ignores directly or indirectly the working of the mighty Spirit of the living God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the glory of God, places himself in a dangerous position and condition of heart. And for this reason... We need to be aware of the fact that we must promote the presence and the glory of God within our midst. And also the operations of the Spirit of God within our midst. And look at the Scripture here. Verse 22. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He had Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils, and he called them unto him. And said unto them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme, but he that shall blaspheme or speak against. The Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. Here we see there were those who directly came against the working of the Spirit of the living God and placed themselves in a dangerous position, Jesus Himself saying that they were in danger of hell fire. Because they were speaking against, instead of acknowledging, the working of the mighty Spirit of the living God, which is the glory of God, which is the manifest presence of God, which is the finger of God. However you want to state it, it's fine with me. But Jesus said, because they were directly speaking out against the working of the Spirit of the living God, they placed themselves in a dangerous position and condition. Now, notice also in Acts chapter 7 and verse 51 along these lines, that not only is one placing himself in a position where he can be without forgiveness for directly opposing the work of the Spirit of God. Also, indirectly, one can be resisting the working of God's Spirit, which would cause a condition to develop within the heart that would produce spiritual insensitivity and darkness of the intellect. Here in Acts chapter 7, verse 51 Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. These people, as the Apostle Paul one time did, thought that they were doing God a benefit or a good deed by opposing what was taking place in Christianity. And so they set themselves out to stand against the work of the Holy Spirit that was being done in the earth. Now, many of them through ignorance and spiritual insensitivity, didn't recognize the depth of what they were doing. But here Stephen, as he is about to be martyred, speaks out and says, "You're stiff neck you're uncircumcised in your heart and ears, you're always resisting the Holy Ghost. And what these people did by resisting the Holy Ghost was place themselves in a condition or a position that their hearts were hardened to the truth. They were spiritually insensitive to the working of the Spirit of God. They had no proper discernment of spiritual things and consequently set themselves up to resist the Spirit of God in the earth. They grieved the working of the Spirit of God to such a degree that He was not able to once again manifest Himself within their lives to convict them of their sins and to get them to come to the blood of Jesus. And so the Spirit of God couldn't strive with them forever. Notice he's not talking about those who were outside the covenant. He's talking about those who persecuted the prophets. You're doing just like your fathers did. You're always resisting the Holy Ghost. And consequently, it produced hardness of heart, insensitivity of spirit, and it caused spiritual blindness, and it darkened their intellect. It affected them, their entire being. That's a dangerous position to be in, my brother and sister. I said, that's a dangerous position to be in. You want to know how dangerous it is? They go on continuing their sacrifices in the temple, and there's no Shekinah glory of God. You talk about spiritual insensitivity. How can they possibly go in there and continue to do uh, that work, carrying out the sacrifices and all that God ordained for them to do beforehand, without the the manifest presence of God, and think that everything was okay. My goodness, were they darkened. Were their minds darkened. Were they insensitive to spiritual things? Bad condition to be in. It's a destructive thing. Now, notice another reason why we must promote the manifest presence of God. Well, before I say this, let let me say it this way. Sometimes I think we look at those illustrations and we say, well, that was them. What about us? All of us as Christians, born-again believers. Do we recognize the importance of promoting the manifest presence of God within our lives on an ind- individually, individual basis and also collectively as a corporate body? Do we recognize the importance of not ignoring what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives and within our midst? Do we consider the fact for ourselves that if we are not sensitive to what He is doing, we can then grieve Him? And once we begin to grieve Him, it develops a seared conscience within us and and an insensitive insensitive heart. Do we not recognize when we come together as a corporate body of believers that our purpose for being here is to promote this, this working of God's Spirit and promoting His glory? And manifest presence within this place. See, if we lose sight of that and think that we are just a natural organization and not a supernatural organization, then we can get caught up in just coming together for the wrong purposes and the wrong reasons. And that's why I believe that for every church you ever have ever seen in the Spirit, Ichabod written above it. The reason why it was written was because the people were insensitive to the moving or the working of the Spirit of God and they placed themselves in a position that they just carried on the activity of worship and praise, just like the Jews did, without the Shekinah glory of God being manifested within their midst. And they got so used to it, it didn't matter. And if somebody got Spirit-filled and spoke in tongues, they were booted out. Think about it. It's true. See, that's what's happened. That's what, what has happened. And see, they think that they're the right ones and everybody that gets spirit filled to speak with other tongues. Well, they're the, you know, they're the ones that are off the wall. But they do not recognize, my brother and sister, that indirectly they are resisting the working of God's spirit in their midst. And the Spirit of God, once again, will not strive with people forever. He is moving upon the earth to and fro to find out whose hearts are upright before the Father so that He can find a place to manifest the Father's glorious power and His grace and His mercy and His love in a dynamic way. Third reason. And this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Another important nugget of truth. Another reason why we must, as a corporate collective body of believers, promote the glory of God in this place. And we'll talk about how. This is the why. This is the why. We'll talk about the how, but this is the why is because the Spirit of God does not have a natural, physical body through which He can express Himself in the earth. But He needs our bodies and our coming together as a collective body in order to express Himself in this earth and bring into reality the things of God. The Holy Spirit does not have a natural physical body. All the working of the Spirit of God, you're going to find out through the Scriptures, is done through human vessels. Notice here in verse 19, 1 Corinthians 6. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have a God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our bodies have become the dwelling place, the house, the mobile home unit, if you will, of the Holy Ghost. It is the place that He has come to reside in glorious power so that He can have expression in this earth, expressing the love, the power, and the glory of the Father God through us. And then affecting the lives of others who are in need. He doesn't have another temple. We have become the temple. Individually and collectively. So can you imagine that if the people of the body do not become spirit filled. Or inhabited by the spirit of God. In a greater measure. And yield their bodies and their faculty members unto him to do the Father's service, to do the Father's will. Well, then through whom can he manifest himself? Can he work the works of God? So you might sit out there and say, well, little old me. Yes, little old you and little old me. We who are born again have become the temple of the living God. He needs vessels. He needs human bodies so that He can saturate us with the Father's glory and power. Rivers of love. Rivers of life. Rivers of light. Filled up to overflowing so that He can then to our physical bodies... Through this collective body, as we come together in harmony and unity and love, express the Father's love. Demonstrate the healing power of God. And so on and so forth. See, who else does He have? He needs us. He needs these physical bodies of ours. Now, this will bless you. If He needs us, if He needs our physical bodies, don't you think it's His desire to fulfill Romans eight eleven in all of our lives? If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He that raised up Christ from the dead is going to do what? Your mortal body, our mortal body, by His Spirit that dwells in us. See, He's on our side when it comes to physical healing because He wants to manifest Himself Through these bodies of ours. He needs our hands. He needs our eyes. He needs our ears. He wants us to yield our bodies. To yield our faculty members unto Him. To be so saturated with the glorious power and presence of our loving Father. That all that oozes out of us is everything. That aligns itself with His character. And with His nature. Another reason. And let's look at Zechariah, chapter 4. Zechariah. And verse 6 and 7. Now, remember... The Spirit of God moves upon us, comes upon us. And when He does, notice, He does not do the speaking with tongues. He does not do the interpretation of tongues. He does not carry out the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. He only inspires us. He inhabits us. He inspires us. Then he says, yield your tongues unto me. Then he says, as we yield our spirit, yield your minds unto me. To yield unto me. I'll inspire you. I'll give you the inspiration. I will give you the utterance. But ultimately, I need your tongue to speak forth as the oracle of God. I need your hands to communicate the healing power of the Father unto that sickly one over there. He does not do this work by himself. He does it through human vessels like you and me who have been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, and then who have sex consecrated themselves and separated themselves and dedicated their bodies and faculty members under the father's work and service who have yielded themselves under the baptism in the Holy Ghost where they have been filled with the spirit and maintain a spirit filled life so he can inspire us and we can allow him to manifest himself in any of the various different operations and manifestations as revealed to us in first Corinthians chapter 12. Do you see that? He needs our bodies. He needs our tongues. He needs our our intellects, our minds. He needs our spirit cooperation. He needs our hands. He needs our feet to be shod with the preparation of the gospel. He needs every part of the human body. Another reason. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. No human power is capable of leveling the mountains of opposition that come against the work of God in the earth. No human power, no talent, no ability of man is capable by itself... To carry out the plan, the purpose, and the will of God throughout the earth. There is isn't one human being alive, alive who has developed his intellect to such a degree that he can know how to do what God would have him to do here upon this earth. Apart from the working of the Spirit of God, man is helpless. Man is defenseless. He has no direction in life. And no matter how much he develops his skills and natural talents and abilities, it's always going to lead him lead him into a road that, that sends him into eternal destruction and damnation. Even when we become born again, spirit-filled believers, unless we seek the face of the Lord our God... And use and utilize the gifts of the Spirit in speaking with other tongues to gain the mind of Christ. Understand the intellect of our God, the ways of our God, the plans of our God, the purposes of our God, the will of our Father God. We, in that carnal state of mind, cannot complete the work that God has for our lives. We can't even fulfill the works that Jesus said we would do. He said it's going to require the anointing of the Spirit of God to come upon you. So that my work can be done. So if we don't have that strength, if we don't have that power, if we don't have the ability, it is absolutely essential that we develop in this power, in this strength, in this ability, in this might... Getting used to the fact that when we come together, it is our desire to give place unto the Almighty One. To give place unto the Spirit of the living God. That He might have free access. That He may move in a mighty way. To become a vessel through which He flows so beautifully. To do what? To level the mountains. They can become a plain. See, it's operating in that power. And I thank God for everyone who names the name of Christ. But you know what? We cannot make excuses. We cannot alter the conditions of true discipleship to please ourselves or to accommodate religious traditions. We need to preach that people need to be not only born again, but Spirit-filled. And speak with other tongues. And not only just speak with other tongues, but to develop that language and then come together as a collective body of believers, using those manifestations of the Spirit as the Spirit of God wills and gives utterance to do what? To fulfill the plan of God, to to accomplish the purpose of God's will. See, people who ignore or neglect this working of God's Spirit and power, when it comes to facing the mountains of adversity that bring opposition and destruction. They may fall short. And they may get crushed. And tragedy may happen. And they don't know how to get out from beneath it. And my brother and sister, this is also so important. This is also involving the healing of our physical bodies. Because people who are born again and not spirit-filled are cutting themselves off from the very way that God heals and produces strength to the physical body. Did you know that? Because if He said it's the Spirit that's dwelling in you that quickens your mortal body, and we cut ourselves off from that ministry and neglect to pray in the Spirit, or if you don't receive the Holy Ghost, you're not going to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost with other tongues. See, people that make light of that or ignore that or think that they can go on through life without that experience, my brother and my sister, they are discrediting the working of the Spirit of the living God. Ignorantly, I understand that. But nevertheless, what is truth is truth. And consequently, when they need that endowment of power from on high, when they need that kind of voltage, if I may say it that way, to drive out that greater work of darkness, it's not going to be there. God, by His Spirit, is eagerly yearning to manifest Himself in and through the lives of His people. It's the people of God who are not desiring for Him to do so. I mean, he's just, you know, just longing, eagerly yearning, desiring to, to demonstrate himself strongly and mighty in the behalf of his people. But the people of God, see, shy away from spiritual things and back off and don't recognize their position and place. And for that reason, my brother and sister, he is limited by degree as to what he can do and how he can move. But in this place, he has spoken to my heart once again. He says, I want you to know something. Don't get off of promoting my glory don't be distracted and don't move away from it because this is something that we've got to continue in regularly. Why? So that we can have it developed. If thou be faithful in these things, it shall increase, it shall abide, it shall remain. But if not, means it will diminish. And we don't want it to diminish, do we? So these are just some of the reasons why. We will always face mountains of adversity that will interfere with the working of God or that which God would have us to do in life whether it be in our individual life or as a collective body, and will not be able to complete the will of God or the work of God if we are sidetracked by these mountains of opposition. And we cannot move them or climb them in our natural strength or ability. They have to be moved by the power of the Holy Ghost. And can you imagine how many congregations of people have mountains placed before them by the forces of opposition, the works of darkness and all that, and there they are right there, and the devils are, are reigning there as their stronghold is developed over those people, and they have no way to get out from beneath all that or or to climb over that or to cross it. No way, because they have not yet tapped into all the resources of heaven, the glorious power of God that is imparted unto the spirit and soul of believer when he is spirit-filled and speaking with other tongues we've got to learn to tap those resources and move that mountain these mountains then will not be removed but praise god we tapped into the power of god that will move those mountains amen now i want you to turn with me to the book of acts again chapter 2 and we want to talk about how in acts chapter 2 how how These are just a few reasons why we must continue to promote God's presence and miracle-working power and the operations of the Spirit within our midst. These are just a few reasons. There are many more. But we need to also know, know how. How? 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 And I'm just going to be bold here tonight and just spit it out. Number one. Listen carefully. We must encourage every child of God to be born, to, who is born again to speak, to be filled with the Spirit and to speak with other tongues. You know, I'm amazed. I mean, I've talked to people of our congregation as to how many have not been Spirit-filled and do not speak with other tongues. Or how many have been Spirit-filled way back years ago and have not used that prayer language to generate this miracle-working power. And I don't say that in any negative way. All I'm saying is it's it's amazing. And it makes me stop and think and wonder, well, well, why is this? Have we not clearly taught the things that need to be taught to encourage people to be Spirit-filled? See, sometimes you just look at your own experience and you think, well, everybody's the same way. When I first got saved and heard about being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues, you couldn't hold me back from it. I wanted it as quickly as I could possibly get it, and I gave myself unto it. And you think that everybody is that way. But then you find out for various reasons, many different reasons, that many are not that way. Some have been taught wrong, and and some just don't go on to desire spiritual things. My brother and sister, it is absolutely, positively essential that every child of God, everyone who names the name of Christ, who has been born again, be Spirit-filled as quickly as they possibly can. Why? Because it magnifies God in that individual's life. And when God is magnified in the individual life, and all those people come together, God is magnified in the collective body. And once again, not just initially to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, but also to continue in that experience... On a daily basis, so that we can maintain a spirit-filled life. What it does, it generates the miracle-working power of God. It puts us into a higher plane of spiritual awareness. We begin to operate in miracle-working power instead of our natural strengths. In the wisdom that comes from God instead of our natural wisdom, it enables us to have a divine divine means of communication directly with the Father that the devil cannot interrupt or have insight into. It enables us to have God magnified. Who wants God magnified in their lives? I mean bigger. Anyone have a magnifying glass? You look at that little newspaper, that little print in your Bible, put a magnifying glass, it gets bigger. It's the same thing, but you can see it's because it's bigger. God becoming bigger in our lives. And you notice in the Old Testament, when Moses could not contend with or deal with or put up with the spiritual condition of the people of Israel any longer, even though he had a measure of the Spirit of God upon his life that was enabling him to do so, What did God do? Did God pick out 70 men who were intelligent, who had all kinds of physical strength and natural abilities? No. What He did, He enlarged Himself in the camp by taking the same anointing and the same Spirit that was upon Moses and placed the same anointing upon the 70 elders. That's what He did. That's what He did. And He enhanced what they had with His miracle working power, with the power of His might. So that the work of God would continue to be done and that Moses would be upheld. Not just by those that had these natural strengths and abilities, but by those who had the spirit that was upon him also in a limited measure manifesting himself in their lives. Well, my brother and sister, that was just a pattern back there. God was revealing unto us that he was his desire that all of his children come to a place where they are filled with his spirit so that he can be personally magnified in that person's life and enhance all the natural talents and abilities that he has placed within that human being from from birth and even from before birth. So, you see, it is absolutely, positively essential. As far as I'm concerned, it is a mandate that comes from God. Be filled with the Spirit. And if you think about it, it is a type. you think about it, it's a type of ignoring the working of the Spirit of God. When one says, well, I don't really need it, or that's not for me today. It is ignoring a working of the Spirit of God. And you don't know what else it is? It is a type of spiritual pride. Because my brother and my sister, Jesus needed it. And you can't be better than Jesus. And Jesus told His apostles, before you go, you wait for the endowment of power from on high. They needed the Holy Ghost. So you see, we're not better than they are. Certainly not better than Jesus. It is essential, my brother and sister... That we have this experience. And number one, we must encourage one another. You know, very often, I bet you've been out there and you have, you have talked to people about their problems, about the pressure of circumstances, about sicknesses, about diseases or things that are taking place in the home. And you know what? You may have failed to ask if they were spirit-filled. I mean that. Here you are trying to get somebody healed or delivered. Here trying to get this and the people are not spirit-filled. And the mentality that some possess is that, well, what's that got to do with it? It's got a whole lot to do with it. It's got a whole lot to do with it. We're living in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God is carrying out the Father's plan and the works of Jesus. And it is absolutely essential to our physical health and well-being that we be Spirit-filled. Filled filled with the Spirit of God and speak with other tongues. That we may generate that miracle-working power. How do we... Strengthen our physical bodies, allowing the healing virtues that are already within there to be active and effective in driving out a sickness or keeping us immune from a disease. How do we do that? By nourishing ourselves with food. And as long as we provide a proper diet for ourselves, we will be healthy. We'll be able to protect ourselves from these things by the natural virtues placed within our bodies by God himself. Well, how does God the Father also enhance that working that He placed within us? He said, by the power of my Spirit. And my brother and sister, if we're trying to get people to be delivered and set free, and we're ignoring this all-important truth, then we have limited the Holy One of Israel. We have limited the working of the mighty power of God. That person does not have the means through which he can generate more of that power that heals the physical body. See, it's like a generator producing what is necessary to to provide an electrical current. Same thing here. It is essential so that we can generate within our spirit man the working of God's almighty healing power that produces health, and strength of the physical body and keeps us immune to sickness and disease. And that's just one benefit of it. One benefit. It also provides an avenue through which we can obtain the wisdom of God. You say, how do you do that? You pray in the Holy Ghost. Remember James says, if you lack wisdom, you just ask of God to give it to all men who upbraideth not and upbraideth not and, and all that. But ask in faith nothing wavering, he the wavers wave of the sea, driven with the wind, tossed to, to and fro. Let out that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord because he's double minded. Well, what's he saying? You ask in faith, believing that you receive something from the Father God. I can't think of a better way, but then to go before the Father's presence and say, Father, I need wisdom in this area of my life. You said, if I ask, you to give me that wisdom. Now, I have the mind of Christ, and Jesus has made unto me wisdom. But I want that as a reality within my life. So I believe I receive that wisdom in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you say, now now what do I do? Why don't you try praying in tongues for about half an hour? Forty-five minutes or an hour. Before you know it, you'll enter into another plane, another realm of spiritual awareness. And before you know it, you'll be uttering some, some utterances inspired by the Spirit of God that will give you the direction that you need to take in life. You see, you've made vital contact with God Almighty Himself through that means of communication. That's why so many fail. Yes, we have the holy written Word of God, but sometimes we don't know exactly what's going to apply in our case. And sometimes it's not absolutely written there for us to know exactly what we need to do. But as we pray in the Holy Ghost and have vital contact with the Father God and communicate with Him, then certain things begin to take place within our lives. And revelation comes forth. See, and that's the way God does things in our lives. So in this particular scripture, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all one accord in one place. Suddenly came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty way. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them like cloven tongues, like a fire, and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled. All 120 were all filled. I like it when God does it His way. Don't you? When God does it His way, they're all filled. Would to God it would be that way today. But once He initially did it in the house of the Jew, in the house of the Gentile, from that time on, He used the hands of men. For when the believers at Samaria received the Word of God and were baptized in the name of Jesus, they sent unto Jerusalem for Peter and for John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they laid their hands upon them, and the Spirit fell upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, or they received the Holy Ghost. And so, you see, it takes involvement between the minister and also the ones who are being ministered to. They need to understand their position and their place. They have to desire it or to want it. And also, those who are Spirit-filled, and there are degrees of of this anointing that can be ministered to other people, then they fulfill their office and lay their hands upon people and then there is a transfer or a transmitting of the power of God, the glory of God into people's lives and they are spirit-filled. And I can give you countless times that, that, that I have personally done this and sensed. And this is, this is... You know, you do it so often you don't want it to become just as a matter of fact in your life. But my goodness, when you can actually feel the glow and the warmth of the, of the presence of the living God flow out of your hands and come upon somebody... I mean, how many of you know it when water, when someone pours a glass of water on top of your head? How many of you know that? You can feel that just rush down, just like that. Same thing. The anointing of God falls. It doesn't fall just on believers who, who need to be spirit-filled. You know, we can, that anointing can fall right here, right now. Fall like a rain. The rain of the Spirit. Fall. And unless we promote it, it won't happen. See, it doesn't just happen. We're just wanting God to do it. It's not going to get it done. But because we recognize we must be in this place that they were in. They were of one accord. Come together in one place. In prayer and supplication. The women, Mary the mother of Jesus, His brethren, come together in one place, one mind, one heart, one accord. See how we promote this? How do we promote this? We encourage all believers... To be spirit-filled. We encourage all believers to be of one mind, one heart, one accord. To stay in prayer, supplication, and praise and worship God Almighty. How are we going to promote this? We see the why of it and we see the how of it, we've got to come together on Wednesday nights recognizing it is absolutely, positively essential that we have the manifest presence of God in this place. It is needful unto all of us. It is needful to survival. It is needful for us to accomplish the work of God and the will of God. It is needful for us to to be overcomers in life and every aspect of life. It is needful for all of us as a collective body not to discredit the working of God's power and of His Spirit, but to say that we are yielded vessels, that we are giving ourselves unto Him, we are providing our bodies unto Him as living sacrifices. That's why that's the greatest gift we can offer God. It is the giving of ourselves, our bodies and family members. People are just satisfied in saying, I'm saved. Well, my brother and sister, that is not enough. I'm making heaven. That is not enough. It's like the song that they sing. If you get to heaven before I do, bore a hole and pull me through. We don't want to get there that way. We don't want to get there that way. Do we? Because you can't get there that way. I don't want just enough for somebody to pull down, pull their arm out and just pull me up there. I want to go out with a bang from this life. Hallelujah. I want to go out like an Elijah did or like an Enoch did and leave behind a complete finished work of God in the place. I want to go out just like Paul did. I have run my race. I have finished my course. I have fought a good fight. Hallelujah. I have followed the Father's plan for my life. I am now ready to be taken out of this place and, and go and be in my heavenly home. With all the heavenly surroundings and all the benefits of fulfilling the plan of God with the victor's crown of righteousness as being mine. And, beloved, we can only begin to delve into those things when we get filled with the Holy Ghost and yield ourselves unto Him. And say, my body has been given unto you as a sacrifice. That's what it's here for. To sacrifice. To give myself to you. To be saturated with your love and your power and your grace and your presence and all that. So that you can flow out from me and affect the lives of others, the multitudes. They can see Jesus in my life and through my life. The how and the why? Look at very quickly Acts chapter 4. This will amaze you. You have 120 people here in the upper room being spirit-filled, all of them. And if you go on back there, you find out that there were 120 praisers, priests there that were ministering before the Lord in Second Chronicles chapter 5. Remember when they got together, the 120 priests? Here we have 120 faithful, devout, dedicated, consecrated ones waiting there because they wanted all that God had to offer. And I sometimes often wonder, what happened to some of those others that He appeared to, the 500 He appeared to? Ever think about that? If he appeared to 500, how come there's only 120 there? Just food for thought. Now, come on. If he appeared to you, you were one of the 500, would you be there in that upper room? I said, would you be in that upper room? Would you be in that upper room? Would you be in that upper room? <laughs> Amen. Now notice, Jesus already ascended here. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? He appeared unto His disciples. I would have been in that upper room. They were the devout ones. They were the dedicated ones. They were the set apart ones, the consecrated ones, saying, we are giving ourselves over to you. And that's what those others were doing back there in Second Chronicles chapter 5. They were giving themselves unto the Father in true worship and praise. Those 120 priests standing before His presence glorifying Him. Then the, praises, the, 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 the praisers came together, the musicians came together, the trumpeters came together. And they began to make one sound in one accord of thanksgiving and praise unto God back in the old covenant. And what happened when that temple was dedicated, when that temple was consecrated? May I ask you what happened in Second Chronicles chapter 5? When they gave themselves over to the working of God, when they prepared a temple, now we're the temple of God, a prepared temple, a dedicated temple, a consecrated temple, a set-apart temple, ready now meet for the master's use to be given over to the service of the living God, it's just like the day of Pentecost. Back there, when they did that and lifted up their voices to God with one accord, began to say, You're good, your mercy endureth forever. The glory of the Lord fell. It fell. It fell out of heaven, filled the whole house. The whole place where they were, they couldn't stand to minister by reason of the cloud. What happened here in Acts 2? They were filled with the Holy Ghost. 120 there, consecrated, dedicated, praising God, supplicating in prayer and thanksgiving unto God on a daily basis until when the outpouring of the Spirit, it fell upon them, the temple of the living God. And they were filled that it appeared as though they were drunk. And they were drunk in the Spirit, with the Spirit of God. And it began to spill over. They got 3,000 saved. They got 8,000. They got 5,000 saved. And in a short time, 8,000 were added to the church because of the glory of God that was flowing out from them. But over here in Acts chapter 4, we see that not only is it true concerning those who have not yet been Spirit-filled that the Spirit falls, but here opposition came. They tried to get in the way of, of the work of God. They tried to stop to thwart the work of God. And because they were doing signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, they threatened them and said, Don't do it any longer. They went to their own company. They reported all the chief priests and elders said unto them, and they lifted up their voice to God once again with one accord. And they said, Thou art God. You made heaven. You made the earth. We're citizens of heaven, but we're on this earth, and we need you to stretch forth your hand to heal. We need signs and wonders wrought by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they got done praying, that consecrated bunch, my brother and my sister, you talk about heaven opening, not only did the Spirit of God fall upon them, but it says that they, they began, the place began to shake where they've assembled themselves together. They spake the Word of God with boldness. Many signs and wonders were wrought among the people. And in verse 32, it says how the multitude was of one heart and one soul and great grace was upon them. Make note of this and we'll close right here. Discord and contention is an element that interferes with the outpouring and the moving of the Spirit of God among believers. The fall made it easy for people to be in discord and contention with one another. And there is an element inside man's heart because of the fall that makes him selfish and want to always be right and have things his own way. And cause division. Did you know that? Strife and division. Even if he knows the other person is right, he still wants to be right. And for that reason, discord stops the flowing and the moving of the Spirit of living God. And that's why God does not want division within a local body. Because a house divided can't what? And also the Spirit of God can't flow where there's division. So, beloved, what I'm saying to all of us here tonight, for those who want to see the glory and the power of God in manifestation, make it a point in your life to say, we're coming on Wednesday nights to be of one mind, of one accord, to give our bodies as sacrifices unto God in worship, praise, prayer, and supplication." We're going to gather around this altar. We're going to lift up holy hands. We're going to bless His holy name. We're going to praise Him from the depth of our being. We're going to union our tongues. We're going to union our hands, our eyes, our ears. There'll be no discord. There'll be no division. That's why we're coming together to, to enhance the moving of God's Spirit, to allow Him to flow in a mighty way. That's why we are coming. And you will see the glory of God. Let's all stand before the Father.